Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm so glad we have a home like that. Amen. Each of you have a home that you go to after church today. Some nicer than others, some bigger than others maybe. Different colors, different furnishings, living in different neighborhoods. But it's home. It's home. Yet this home, it's strange because we're homesick and we haven't been there in physical manifestation. But yet somehow we feel like we have. There's something pulling us and we longed for that place. So it lets us know that there's a part of us that actually was there after all. Amen. Amen. Greet you today in the name of the Lord. It's a privilege to be gathered together in his presence under, under the auspices of his name. Um, let's turn, if you would, to Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 10. While you're turning there today, I want to apologize. I, uh, I read a quote last night, and I was told after church that I read it wrong. Twice, actually, read it wrong. So I certainly apologize for that. I wasn't trying to alter it or change it or anything like that. It's just, well, all you can say is I'm a dummy. I mean, it's just, I don't know why, why in the world the Lord ever called me to preach in the first place. But anyway, I'm, I'm sorry that I did that. Um, I'm sure that wasn't the first time. And I would imagine more than likely it probably won't be the last how would you feel? You've been doing this since you've been 18 and you're 62, and you've never delivered a perfect one. Never sung a perfect song, never preached a perfect sermon, probably never gave perfect counsel to anybody I've ever talked to, and I've talked to thousands around the world. So tell me, how would you feel? Would you feel like a great success? Huh? I imagine I felt like all the rest of you. How many of you moms are perfect moms? Don't raise your hand because I'll whoop the fart of you if you do. <laughs> How many dads are perfect dads? Perfect husbands. Isn't it amazing? But we just keep right on going, don't we? That's what I love about the Lord. That in all of our failures and all of our shortcomings. Amen. And it's much more than just misreading something we know. It's many, many times it's so serious things in our lives. And yet he loves us in spite of it all. Amen. Song of Solomon chapter 7 verse 10. We'd like to speak again today on the honeymoon. I, my beloved, and his desire is toward me. Come, my beloved, and let us go into the field and let us lodge in the villages. Let us get up early, notice now, to the vineyards and let us see if the vine flourish. Whether the tender grape appear and the pomegranates bud forth. There will I give thee my loves. The mandrakes give a smell, and at our gates all manner of pleasant fruits, new and old, which I have laid up for thee, O my beloved. Let's pray together. How many like to be remembered today before the Lord in prayer? Lord Jesus, as we approach you today, Father, we're so thankful that we could be gathered here today once again. We thank you, Lord, that your presence has dealt with each of our hearts and called us to yourself. We know no matter what we'd ever do, where we'd ever go in life and what we'd ever accomplish, there's nothing we could ever do that would ever even begin to compare to what you give to us when you called us.
for you to call us and deal with us. We are so grateful. We want you to know we are. You saw the hands of the people that were uplifted. Lord, I hold in my hand today a prayer cause, dear God. Oh, Jesus, I pray for your mercy, Lord. You see our precious sister face in surgery. I ask you, dear God, in the name of Jesus, that you would just be with her, Lord. Father, may your healing virtue just go with her, Lord. Also, I'm thinking today, Father, Brother Louie, Lord, the situation in his back. and Lord, you see the pain that he's been suffering and what he's been going through. Father, we just ask you that you'd be with our brother today. May you help him, Lord God. May you bring complete deliverance. Speak to us, Lord Jesus, once again today, as only you can do. For it's in the name of the word we ask. Amen. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated today. Let's, if we can, move from this element that we know in this realm of time. Let us move upward and fast forward the prophetic clock of God. Let us move beyond the seventh church age, move beyond the marriage supper of the Lamb, and let us move into the honeymoon in the great millennium. Let us go beyond the destruction when hailstones will fall down out of heaven weighing a hundred pounds, which no doubt will aid in the necessary process of changing the topography of the earth, which will be changed. There'll be all kinds of horrible, absolutely horrible, horrific things that will happen in the tribulation period. There will be bombs dropped when America will be annihilated. She won't be the only one. Uh, Rome will be bombed. All kinds of bombs will be falling. There will be hail. There will be such catastrophic events happening upon the earth. And yet, many of them are leading up to the change essential and necessary for the millennium itself. Because the millennium does not get holy fire from God in order to change its surface hundreds and hundreds of miles deep. Because it's still under the increment of time under the Feast of Tabernacles. So it gets enough change to make it to where that the city can actually be constructed on the earth. The temple will be built on the earth. And yet it will be a a wonderful, wonderful place. But yet it is not the eighth day, which is eternity. We know eight speaks of new creation. And the millennium is not a new creation. It is as you are in the sense of the same, uh, same body, same human element, but a new creation in the same old temple. So the millennium will be uh, similar to that. There will be changes, of course, that will be made in the topography around Jerusalem and basically the plain of Asdralon, uh, the whole of Israel, pretty much. Uh, but yet, for the most part, the rest of the earth, uh, there will be things that will be changed, but the earth itself will be kicked back up again. The axis will not be tilted the way that it was. The productivity of the earth will return to the level that it was in the Garden of Eden. I hope I don't go over your head, but actually, whenever, whenever man fell and the earth fell under the jurisdiction of the man, the permeating rays of light coming from the sun, also the light rays coming from the moon, were filtered because of sin. 
But we know that eventually it will come back to where in the millennium that the brighter rays of the sun and of the moon will return. It will be the old world time of the Garden of Eden. That man will be back upon the earth again in the Garden of Eden. And yet the moon will be seven times brighter. It will be more like the sun and the sun itself seven times brighter than it was. So we know we will definitely have to be changed in order to take that. But the radiation will be filtered by the presence of God which will no longer make it radioactive to our bodies. So God will bring it back to that spot again. Of course, we know with light, even in Alaska in the summertime, their crops grow 24-7 because they've got, what, 21, 22 hours of daylight. I had a cousin that used to live there and work on the Alaskan pipeline. And to hear him talk about some of the things of how it happened, how the grass would grow, that have to mow their yard sometimes two or three times a week in the summertime. And yet, uh, watermelons, cantaloupe, green beans, tomatoes, this, that, though, would grow constantly. So there will be a productivity that will return to the earth that will be unlike anything that we have ever seen. And yet it will still not be that perfect age uh, when the Lord Jesus will allow the city to come down. Now remember, we will be here on the earth and yet the city will still be above us. Now Jerusalem will be built again, but it will not be the city of the eighth day because the foundation of it itself is 1,500 miles square. The city of the nations, or let me say it this way, the navigational point by which God will measure Jerusalem itself will be from the focal point of Jerusalem and from there it will spread out 1500 miles but that's in the eighth day that is not in the millennium in the millennium it will go from the Mediterranean eastward and then it will go northward and it will go southward but it will not be changed because prophetically the Mediterranean and the Dead Sea are still here in the millennium itself now, the Lord Jesus desires to include us, of course, in this great paradise, which I counted a great honor myself to be invited to the millennium. If I was going to be a, a tater peeler, I'd, I'd, I'd count it quite an honor. But I ain't going to be no tater peeler. I'm going to be there, and I'm going to rule and reign with my Lord for a thousand years. So I really counted an honor today. But we know then that in any, in any kingdom, there must also be a capital city. And God chose Jerusalem. Now, why did God choose Jerusalem? I'm not sure that I've found the answer totally to that yet. I may as I'm studying, but so far I haven't. But yet God chose Jerusalem for whatever reason. Uh, you know, Jerusalem, when you look at it to this very day, those of you that have been there, seen pictures from it, my, to me, there's places in America that's much prettier than it is. There's places in Norway, places in Switzerland, places in France, and I've been in different parts of the world that as far as its present beauty that would definitely outshine it. Now you look at the Sea of Galilee, has some beautiful places there, but you look at a lot of the land of Israel, it's not a place that you'd actually want to leave Johnson City and just go over and live because a lot of it is desert, a lot of it is barren, it is dry, semi-arid, and uh, you know much of it doesn't hardly get any rainfall at all, but yet God is not looking at what it is now, but He's looking at what it will be. That sounds like a Christian. Christian to me. 
And so it's the same with us then that God can look at all of our arid, dry, you know, all the state that we're in, all the things that we're dealing with. But yet he looks not only at that, but he looks at the finished product of what we will be by the grace of God. So God placed Jerusalem to be actually the center or in the midst, as Ezekiel calls it, in the midst of the nations. The Jews call it, of course, the navel of the earth. From there, Adam came forth. So they say uh, they actually, they place it as being the central point by which everything else is measured. Now notice this in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 36. Unto his son will I give one tribe, that, my, that David, my servant, may have a light always before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen to put my name there. Now that was, of course, in the natural posterity of David that God chose Jerusalem of all the cities of the land of Israel. But it goes beyond just the posterity of David. It actually goes into the millennium and it goes into the eighth day. I'm sure once we get there and we see the topography of the earth which will be totally changed in the eighth day, it will make a lot more sense to us as it did when Enoch was building the pyramid and whenever he placed it with exactly the dimensions of the poles and exactly the way he was able to place it with the arc or the curvature of the earth which was not even known until the age that you and I live in and yet this man was able to be able to do so many things with the length of the year the length of the day the amount of times and the element of the arc and all that it's just profound when you look at it so whenever we see it then it will probably make more sense why God chose that God didn't choose Hollywood God didn't choose Washington DC God didn't choose Johnson City God chose Jerusalem Second Chronicles 6, 6, but I have chosen Jerusalem that my name might be there and have chosen David to be over my, my people Israel. Now notice this is again prophetic that the name of God will be in Jerusalem. Again, you look at it now, you certainly wouldn't think so. Psalm 68, 15, the hill of God is as the hill of Bashan and high hill as the hill of Bashan. Why leap ye, ye high hills? This is the hill which God desires to dwell in. Yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. So you look and see then that God in the natural sense chose Jerusalem, which was also identified as Mount Zion, which was later added into the addition of Jerusalem because it was the part that David later added inside the wall. Uh, we were there uh, several months ago where Brother Mike Walls, I guess it's present here today. And whenever you find out that and the great and those who had the walls rebuilt around Jerusalem and for some reason whenever they built it they did not include Zion which is left outside uh, the walls and built 600 and something BC and yet whenever they did it the architects paid for it with their life because whenever they found out they'd actually left Zion out of the rebuilding of the walls they had them killed well they give them a real uh, you know a real good thing for that they buried him inside the walls himself uh, so they actually left Zion out which to me I wonder if it was a mistake or not because Zion is outside of the walls itself now there is a new Zion and an old Zion but yet here when we look at this this is why that it is called Mount Zion and Jerusalem so God identifies this setting as both and we know that the church is called Mount Zion and when you look at Mount Zion it's just a little plot of ground that lays right outside the confines of the walls of Jerusalem notice he said why leap ye ye high hills this is the hill 
which God desires to dwell in. Yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. So when we read these scriptures, it gives us a little bit of illumination why Ezekiel would say in chapter 5, verse 5, Thus saith the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set it in the midst or the middle of the nations and countries that are round about her. So now we have Iran, we have Iraq, we have Syria, we have Egypt, we have all of the Middle East, and yet God geographically placed this little tiny small spot right there bordering the very edge of the Mediterranean and all these nations around her as being the center of the nations himself. Notice Jeremiah 3.17, at that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all nations shall be gathered into it to the name of the Lord to Jerusalem, neither shall they walk any more after the imagination of their evil heart. But in the millennium, there will be people here in human bodies that will not be in glorified bodies. They'll be here by natural perpetual life of humanity. They will be living on the earth and no doubt many of them will make their choice in the millennium to serve the Lord Jesus. But it will not be under a gospel like the gospel today. It will be under a kingdom reign. So preachers won't be going around preaching and deacons, you know, and then trustees and all that. No, it will be under a government which will be the gospel of God made a way for the kingdom of God to come into the earth. So it will not be that preachers will be standing up and preaching three times a week and will be doing all that sort of thing. No, it will not be that type of thing. But it will actually be under the government of Jesus Christ himself. And they will refuse him as savior via his government that he has set upon the earth. He said, that's crazy, is it? That's the way Adam and Eve turned him down. He was not in the Garden of Eden as a Savior. It was not a church, per se. It was not, you know, like, like the gospel that we would say. But how did it start out? It started out with a kingdom message, and it was the Edenic kingdom. And there they turned down God. You say, how in the world could people turn down living in the millennium? Well, Adam and Eve did. They turned down the righteousness and the trueness and the purity of God. And God's millennium, and they walked out of God's millennium into the element of time, and God put the millennium on hold. So the millennium will resume again under the Davidic reign of the son of David. The messianic kingdom will be heralded of course and the Jews will be set back in tribal order of the 12 tribes and the Jews will actually become the Levites and the priests that will be in the temple itself. Now remember there's four temples that's going to be built in Jerusalem. First was Solomon's and the second of course the one Haggai and all them that were rebuilt. And we know that God, the glory of God never entered quite into that thing but we also understand that one was not classified as a new one but basically a remodel or a rebuilding the one that Herod built and there will also be one built in the tribulation period itself now this is the pact that the Jews will make with Rome the Jews already have uh, much of much of the things that are ready they have the ephod they have the garments they've already found the red heifer the string they've already found the Kohen the C-O-H-E-N or O-E-N rather and that is the Levite DNA They've already found all of these things. They've got much of the furniture ready. They would believe that it, they are preparing it for the return of the Messiah. But actually who they will be preparing it for is him that will sit in the temple of God showing himself that he is God, which will be the devil himself in the form of the Antichrist. Now they will accept that. They will make the pact with Rome and they will believe that they are doing this and they're going to think it's the Messiah, but it's going to be the devil. You see, he's a very sly guy. You better watch him when you 
making deals with the devil because he always wins. He will convince you you're going to be the winner, but he's a liar, remember. So the Jews will join up this pact. They will make this temple now. But this temple, which will be rebuilt in the tribulation period, will be destroyed. It will be annihilated. And we know that Daniel said in the weeks, also Gabriel's instruction to Daniel. The prophet tells us that the holy, the most holy in Daniel 7, which is anointed, will be the temple, the millennium temple. Now, remember, keep that straight, of course. We are the temple of God now that's in the in the dispensation of the Son of God by the baptism of the Holy Ghost but in the millennium it will actually be a natural temple out of that temple will come from under the temple will come the living waters and so on but yet God chose Jerusalem in order to build his holy habitation notice again he said that Jerusalem would be called the throne of the Lord and all nations will be gathered there to Jerusalem in verse 18 and those days the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel now remember Remember by this time when Jeremiah is writing, Israel and Judah have been divided for quite some time. Initially, they started out under the rule of David and they were one nation. But as time went on and they become divided, then Judah, which was under, under the Davidic line, Judah branched off and Judah remained uh, righteous and holy before the presence of God for many years after the Israel, the nation of Israel, the ten tribes of Israel failed and back and then they separated I don't know if you know it or not but God actually even divided the prophetic utterance to Jerusalem and, and Judah and God would actually send prophets to Israel and he would send prophets to Judah but this was never God's will for them to be divided so part of the regeneration and the restoration the restitution as well in the millennium will be that Israel and Judah will no longer be separate they will no longer have separate prophets they'll no longer have separate cities to worship God, but they will come together under the banner of the messianic tribal symbol of the son of David Christ Jesus. Oh, y'all with me this morning. Now, notice, out of the land of the north the land that I have given for an inheritance unto your fathers. Joel chapter 3 verse 16. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. Now notice how he couples Zion and Jerusalem together. Now remember they're sitting right there in the same proximity, they're right side by side. And the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So shall you know that I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then shall glory Jerusalem be holy and there shall be no strangers pass through her anymore. Zechariah chapter 8 verse 2. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was zealous for Zion. Oh my, jealous rather for Zion with great jealousy. And I was jealous for her with great fury. Thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth. So I'll tell you one thing, you sure can't call it that today. 
You've got Christians, you've got Orthodox, you've got Muslims, you've got the call to prayer right in Jerusalem. When we went to Bethlehem to see Bethlehem, our Jewish guide was not even allowed to take us into Bethlehem. We had to go through a big high concrete wall and we had to have a Palestinian guide, a Palestinian guide in order to take us into this, into Bethlehem to see the supposed place where the Lord Jesus was born. And then you see the tower of prayer and you see the minaret and you see all of these symbols of what? Of Mohammedism. And yet it was absolutely they forfeited the rights that should have never been heard in Jerusalem. The call to prayer should have never been heard in Jerusalem. But why did it get there? Because they compromised on the word of God. And anytime you and I compromise our lives on the word of God, the devil will build his own minarets in our lives. Notice, I return to design and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem and Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Zephaniah 3.14, sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all the heart. O daughter of Jerusalem, the Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He hath cast out thine enemy, the king of Israel. Even the Lord is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil anymore. Praise God. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear not. Oh, glory, fear thou not. And to Zion, let not thy hands be slack. This is prophetic, friends. How many believes it'll happen? If you believe the word of God, you did. The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee. Notice that. In the midst of thee, he is mighty. He will say, he will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Micah 4.1, but in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord. Now notice it doesn't say that the house is built on the mountain, but it says the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains and it shall be exalted above the hills and people shall flow into it. Now, for those of you who have not been there to Jerusalem, whenever you come into it, several different approaches. Whenever we were there, Brother Mike, a few months back, whenever we come in, and we was able to see the Dome of the Rock and actually standing above Jerusalem looking down upon it, and we were on the Mount of Olives. It was here, of course, that the Lord Jesus wept. Many great prophetic utterances come forth about the Mount of Olives, and yet the Mount of Olives, you know, for the entrepreneurs of Israel, they have desired to build hotels and resorts and so on and so on because there is available land there to be able to do it. But they found a problem. And that is that there is an earthquake fault that runs right up through the middle of the Mount of Olives. Not a nice place to build a resort. You get up on one side of the bed and go to bed and go to bed on one side of the bed and wake up on the other side. But, you know, God, when he caused the earth to be formed, he allowed that fault 
to be buried beneath her for the introduction of the millennium. Now, it will also close out the tribulation period. Watch this in Zechariah 14.1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Now, when God makes the call, you ain't going to say, I, I, I think I'll stay at the house. God said, no, you ain't. Show up. God will cause America. God will cause Europe. God will cause Russia. And they will all gather together against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken and the houses rifled. And the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Now God has pulled on them, and Rome is now in charge, and the Jews have made a pact. Elijah and Moses have been on the earth. Now the Lord's saying, come on, come on. You want to fight? Come on. So God through their ambassadors, God through their diplomats, they will all get under this unison, this spirit of unity. We've all got to go to Jerusalem. We've got to fight. Send our F-18. Send our F-22. Send our Abrams tanks. Send this, that. God said, please, come out. Now, let me just clue you in on something. When God has a sovereign plan, your free moral agency ain't worth an Abraham Lincoln penny. If God's going to do something, he'll do it with or without your consent. (laughs) Now watch. Then shall the Lord go forth. So here we are in heaven. We're enjoying the marriage supper of the Lamb, and all of a sudden we miss Jesus. And we're saying, where did he go? And somebody said, hey, it's battle time. We say, I always like the good fight. Let's go. The Lord, my God, will come with 10,000s of his saints. Then the Lord shall go forth and fight. Against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. So at his feet comes an earthquake. Don't laugh at me when I go to earthquaking when he comes around. People laugh at us shouting, we're only doing what the earth does in a miniature form. When he gets a hold of my heart, I go to quaking a little bit and shaking around a little bit. Notice then, the Mount of Olives will cleave in the midst toward the east and toward the west, and there will be a very great valley. 
and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. So at the second coming of the Messiah, his feet will sit upon the Mount of Olives, which is right in front of Jerusalem, facing the Temple Mount. And when he sets his feet down on top of it, the mount will... Now, now presently, you've got the Mount of Olives, which sets up like this, and you've got the Kidron Valley, which is down in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is where Jesus was. The Church of All Nations sits there now. Uh, Jesus was there, and then he comes up right up like this, and he climbed right up to the walls of Jerusalem. So he doesn't land on Jerusalem itself, but he lands on the Mount of Olives. Now, remember, he sat on this mountain weeping one day and said, Oh, if you would have only knew the time of your visitation. But now your time has come and your house is left unto you. Desolate force shall come to pass, but they will come among you and they'll destroy the wall. There won't be one stone left upon another. You remember the story in Luke. But now when he comes, my brother, sister, it is not wrong. It is not going to be, oh my, some of the great generals that's going to win this battle. But the son of David... Glory be to God. Now, from here, the Mount of Olives will go. And a great valley will be laid right out. What is it? The groundwork, excavation work for the millennium. Ain't no D9 big enough. He don't need no earth movers or bobcats. (laughs) Amen. Notice Zechariah 14.5, and ye shall flee to the valley of the mountain. So here are the children of Israel. Here's those elect, those ones that are standing there, those that have been called. And they will run. And where are they going to run to? The very place that the cleft and the rock came very place you run to in the Gentile dispensation, Christ Jesus. And for the valley of the mountain shall reach unto Aziel. Yea, you shall flee like as you fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints will say. So you imagine they look up and they're fighting in Rome and, and you know, whatever's left of the United States won't be much left for them to represent no how. And here's all the Arabs and here's all the Muslims and all them fighting and all of a sudden they go to shaking and trembling and they look up and they, Lord God, it ain't gonna be Muhammad. Hallelujah! And he ain't gonna be by himself. Can you imagine as they look up there and there's all, amen. Now this scripture does not say thousands, but all. Millions. Resurrected saints. Guess what? We've come to take over. And the Lord, my God, shall come. And all the saints with thee. Notice verse 18. And it shall be in that day that the living waters shall go out from Jerusalem. 
half of them toward the former sea, half of them toward the hinder sea in summer and in winter. Now, this word winter is not what you think. It does not mean there's going to be winter time in the millennium. It is harvest time. The Hebrew word harvest. So whenever he sets his feet upon it, it will begin the beginning of the topography change of the earth for the millennium. Amen. There will begin a fountain of water, a river that will come out from the parting of the Mount of Olives. Kind of reminds me, what is that scripture? Uh, St. John 7, 37. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. It will flow 37 miles west to the Mediterranean. It will flow 15 miles east to the Dead Sea. Ezekiel 47, 1. Afterward, he brought me again to the door of the house. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east. And the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Now, this is the millennium temple now. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way which looketh eastward and behold there ran out waters on the right side. Verse 6. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. And when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and on the other. Then he said unto me, these waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea. Which brought forth unto the sea the waters shall be healed. So coming out of the church house comes healing waters. Well, praise God, it's happening now. So the Dead Sea, which has lain there for who knows how long, thousands of years, millennia, whatever it's been, actually laying there, the prophecy of the Word of God says the Dead Sea will live and fish by creation will come into the sea. Verse 12, by the river upon the bank thereof, on this side and on that side shall grow all trees for meat whose leaf shall not fade neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed it shall bring forth new fruit according to his months notice the parallel now the eighth day so in the seventh the eighth is bearing image and bearing record on either side of this river 
will be trees. Glory to God. And they will bring forth new fruit according to his months because their waters, they issued out of the sanctuary. Lord have mercy children. Can't you see the importance of going to the house of God? The water will come out from under the threshold of the house of God and begin to trickle into the Dead Sea. And all of a sudden, as it goes deeper, deeper, farther, and farther, the entirety of the Dead Sea will change. And fish will start growing. Kind of like you. You're a dead head. Dead in sin and trespasses out there in the world. All you was fit for was phosphorus, calcium, bunch of chemicals. But other than that, you didn't mount to much. But what happened? The waters from Calvary. Praise be to God. The waters from Calvary begin to flow down inside of you. Oh, it took a while to begin to make them begin to major change. But all of a sudden, a little bit of the entrance and a little more and a little more. And the farther the waters penetrated into you, the more you become living, alive, and well. Notice this. The fruit thereof shall be for meat. And the leaf thereof shall be for medicine. Guess what? We're back to vegetarians again. You say, no more outback? No more outback. All the chickens will be able to enjoy a thousand years anyway. Lord, I love this. Verse 9. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. Brother Phil, how long has he longed for it? Brother John, when he would be the king over all the earth. And in that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. Trinitarianism is gone forever. Even the two Lord doctrinate in the millennium. <laughs> now watch. And the land shall be turned as a plain. Now around Jerusalem now seven hills, mountains. You go up to one, down to the other, wind your way down, up to another, wind your way down. When we stayed at the Hotel David there, where we stayed at, you wind and go around and up and down and up and down. That'll never work in the millennium. These waters has got to reach the dead seeds. Dead seeds. Laying there dead in trespasses and sins. It could never go. It could never go if you put your, if you put the city right now on top of Jerusalem, it would wind up in the bottom of the Kidron Valley and pull up and never get to the Dead Sea. So there's got to be a change in the earth. And once the earth gets changed, the earth will become the transportation by which the waters of life will reach the Dead Sea. It's the same way as the gospel. 
It's the same way with the tapes and the books. Oh my, we love the Bible, don't we? We love the books. We love the tapes of the prophet of God. Have you ever seen one of Brother Branham's tapes with legs on them? You ever seen one of Brother Branham's tapes with feet on them and arms and a mouth and all that sort of thing? Takes a human being to be able to spread it about. So what is it? The topography of your humanity is changing. You're brought subject to the word. Then you be a carrier of the waters of life. Then you become the disperser of the very life-giving flow. Now watch what God's going to do now. All the land shall be turned as a plain from Geba to Ramon, south of Jerusalem. And it shall be... He exalts whom he will. He puts down whom he will. He raised the bride to a place that no other body, anybody else can have except your bride. Now notice, it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place from Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate, unto the corner gate, from the tower of Hananiel unto the king's wine presses. So all the land laying outside of Jerusalem will be turned into a plain. Wow. The land of Israel around Jerusalem will be encompassed by a flat plain. From Geba to Rimon. Geba was a city in the tribe of Benjamin on the northern border of the land. As far north as you could go in their boundary. Rimon was in the tribe of Judah given to Simeon on the southern part. So from one end to the other will be turned into a plain except Jerusalem. Oh, I love this. You know what? If God wants to, he'll make the world worship him. God knows how to lay you flat on your back, Miss Hardhead. God knows how to give you kidney stones. God knows how to give you heart problems. God knows how to take your fun out of sin in order to lay you flat on your back. I'll not call on God. I wouldn't say that if I was you. If he can turn these mountains, and I've been there, so I know what these mountains look like. If he can turn these mountains into a plain, he can turn your joy into pain. Oh, boy, that was good, wasn't it? Man, hallelujah. And God will exalt Jerusalem and abase everything else around it and it will be made to bow down to Jerusalem Mount Gilboa Mount Tabor every one of them will bow to the church I mean to Jerusalem Why? Because she is like the church, a city set on a hill which cannot be seen. So God exalts Jerusalem and stinks all the rest of the mountains and the hills around it. 
Any of y'all ever been in Arkansas and Missouri and some of them places out there where they do a lot of them rice crops and them patties and all that stuff? The land levelers, where they come in with those big machines and they take those and level all that land just as flat as a pancake. And then they turn that irrigation on in those ditches and they go from one to the other to the other to the other. Perfect place. But they didn't start out that way. It took a lot of work. A lot of folks have made their living by doing that, by leveling the land and getting its worth so flat. He just steps out there and said, let it be. And all of a sudden, bumps go poop, 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 poop. Hills just poop. And while they're going down the church, I mean, I mean, I mean, Jerusalem is getting higher and higher and higher and higher. Praise be to God. Let's show them the chart, brothers. Not help them to see. You can look up here. New Mount Zion, Mount Zion, Mount of Corruption, Mount Olivet, Mount Scopus, Antonio Force, Fortress rather, Mount Ophel. See Mount Zion where she is. She lays right outside the gates or the walls. But God is now going to merge all those seven church ages. I mean, seven hills, seven mountains into one broad form. So each of them will lose their individuality. There'll be no amount of corruption because corruption is gone. Mount Scopus will be gone. Amen. Mount Ophel, Antonio Forest, the fortress, which of course where the Romans were. The Lord Jesus, when he was here, was actually taken there under the Praetorian Guard. But in that day when he stands upon the earth, all of this will disappear as individuality and it will start coming together to make one mountain for the Lord's house. And all around it everywhere will be as flat as a slab of concrete. Just enough angle of descent on the lower end to where the water can trickle to the Mediterranean and to the Dead Sea. So tell me again, how is it that you become bride? Tell me again what great thing you've done for God. When are you going to get past that nonsense and realize it's the grace of God that made you what you are? If you ever walk down them streets, my brother, sister, won't be one thing. Well, I prayed all night long. I've done this, that, baloney. You and I ain't good enough to even make a half of a Christian. We ain't good enough to even make one-tenth of a Christian. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we'd all be lost. We'd be in some Baptist church this morning or some Catholic church saying mass. I'll tell you what brought you what you are. The same grace of God that leveled the church ages. The same grace of God that leveled the church and made them what they are is the same grace of God that elevated you. What's give you the understanding of the end time message? Grace. What will take you out of here and a body change? Grace. And the land shall be turned. Mm, I love that word. It's sort of like the word that was used speaking of the coming of a prophet. And he shall turn the hearts of the children. 
So the land shall be turned as a plain from Gibba. So from the northern border of the land of Israel to the southern border, from the Mediterranean to the border on the western side. And it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place from Benjamin's gate unto the gate of the first gate unto the corner gate and from the tower of Hananiel unto the king's wine presses. I want you to notice the prophet of God identified this place as a female. She and her, when you read the Hebrew, it's not a him. It's a her. She is represented as a woman that is raised, setting upon her terrain and her boundary given to her by Almighty God. Sitting in this ancient tranquil seat will come peace. Praise God. Zechariah 14, 11, and men shall dwell in it and there shall be no more utter destruction but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. You understand every boy, girl, Every person in Israel has to join the army. You're a girl there. You're not exempt. You've got to go. Why? They need you for safety's sake. Now, we say this word safety to us. It don't mean nothing to us as Americans. But you imagine to an Israeli, you're going to dwell safely in Jerusalem. Every day you have, you have bomb threats. You have all kinds of things that's going on. And God says, look, just to let you all know, when I take over, there'll be no more bomb threats. Praise be to God. You all will dwell safe. There'll be no fear of the night. There'll be no fear of the darkness. There'll be no fear of a robber. There'll be no fear of sin and sinner. You will dwell safely. You leave your doors wide open and your windows. Notice this. Now God is going to rule the nations of those which are not glorified. With a rod of iron. They will be made to submit to the messianic kingdom. Zechariah 14, 16, it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came up against Jerusalem shall even go from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, to keep the feast of tabernacles. But you see, this ain't the bride. She couldn't go that long without being in church. It'd kill her. For those of you that left missing church, pick out your spot outside the city. Because you sure ain't going to be in his presence. So notice now, from year to year, they've got to come up to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, to keep the feast of booths or tabernacles. Tabernacles. So they are given a human tabernacle. Not fully yet redeemed. Those outside. The elect are living around the city near the entrance of the gate of the prince. Amen. But you're not living in human bodies. 
but glorified bodies. So if you want to go on the other side of the earth, you just think about it, and pop, there you are. You want to go wherever you want to go, you travel as a thought, which has been reserved only to the speed of light, evening light. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth. Think of it, friends. The earth will be populated everywhere. How in the world is them people going to get from America to Jerusalem? I don't know. I'm sure our king has a great transportation system. It's better than a subway in New York. It's better than any interstate you've ever seen in your life. He'd have to make a way for them to get there or he could not punish them for not coming. of the earth into Jerusalem to worship the king the Lord of hosts even upon them shall be no rain so this is the major sin in the millennium you miss church <laughs> ain't no smoking no drinking no doping no prostitution no gambling no mafia no mafia bosses won't be none of them there Praise the Lord. There'll be none of it there. This is the major, major disobedience. You didn't come to church. This is how serious God takes church going. So when it's reported to the king, you didn't go Wednesday because you didn't think you needed to. You get plenty on Sunday morning. Or you must have a little thing to fill up. What do you got, a thimble size? You come on Wednesday night or you come on Sunday morning, that's all I need. I'll tell you one thing. God didn't give me no symbol. God gave me, oh my goodness, God gave me the office-sized container ever was. The more I get, the more I want, the more I want, the more I get, the more I get, the more I want. Can't you say it's an unending cycle? Unconverted men will rebel and say, I ain't going. Jesus will send the message on down to his king priests for the seven church age overcomers will be the ones who will dominate and rule over the Gentiles. And the sons of God will be fully manifested. So say Brother Branham is over this certain part of the United States or Brother Tim Pruitt's over wherever. The message will come from headquarters. Tim! They didn't show up at the Feast of Tabernacle. Little Tim will jump out there with them black beady eyes and say, All right, you don't get no rain. Praise the Lord. Look, friend, we're going to eat, we're going to drink, we're going to live. Forget harps, forget guitars, forget clouds floating around in clouds. That's nothing but a figment of somebody's imagination. It's a real place. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth in Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. For if the family of Egypt go not up and come not, they have no rain. There shall be the plague 
day whereas the Lord shall smite the heathen that cometh not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not to keep the feast of tabernacles. I'm busy. I got too much to do. I'm plowing my garden. I'm painting my house. It suits yourself. You can paint it in the dry in a few days. Real dry. Can't you see why, friends? I don't care how godly, how holy, how righteous, how pure that people live in a godly environment. If they don't want to serve God, they ain't going to serve Him. I don't care what you give them. You can give them every tape, every book, every verse of the Bible that was ever printed, but if they don't want to do it, they ain't going to do it. And they'll stand before God and be judged and God will condemn them to hell because he'll skip back all the, oh, I don't, I don't understand this. I couldn't do that. God will strip every bit of that back. When you stand before God, you'll stand there without one excuse. There'll be, well, I didn't understand. Well, I, I couldn't do this. All of that will be stripped. You might tell us that, but you won't tell God. God will strip you down till you're nothing but soul. Then the real you will be judged and condemned to eternal separation. And according to the amount of truth you heard is how long you'll burn. Some that said in this church will burn for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and my voice will haunt you day in and day out. Every time the Spirit of God dealt with you, every tape of the prophet of God you listen to, you'll hear it while you're turning and tossing in that endless abyss. Let me say it again. If you wind up lost, it's because you want it to be But if I wind up being cannon fodder, I'll tell you why you're going to be. Because you chose to live like cannon fodder. It's your fault. You ain't going to point your bony finger at me in hell and say, if you would have told me the truth, ain't a one of you going to tell me that. I'm going to tell you the truth. If you throw me out, if you throw me out after this morning's sermon, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'll scream it while you're pushing me out of the parking lot. Repent. Let me close. In that day shall there be upon the bells of the horses. Now, will there be cars? I doubt it. Mm -mm. But there will be horses. In that day there shall be upon the bells of of the horses holiness unto the Lord. And the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Zechariah goes on to say that even in the pots will be holiness to the Lord. Everybody in the city will be a fanatic. If you got a horse, you got 5,000 on every one of your bells will be holiness to the Lord. You sister's pots in your kitchen will have holiness to the Lord. On your life will be holiness to the Lord. 
The prophet says that this way in future home, Enoch went higher than the ark. He went into the presence of God. But Noah went through and come out and there was still sin. Type of the millennium of the world's condition. The millennium is not the end of it. There will still be time after the millennium. The millennium is a space of time, but not the new earth. No, indeed. Notice in that, we'll get to it after a bit. In the millennium, we'll be under the Feast of Tabernacles again in the seventh day. But then after the seventh day, we have a holy convocation. Go back into the eternal. How? By the eternal one that came and redeemed us and taken us back. Let us recognize that we are a part of this. Let's stand. Let's read question answer 64. Now the millennium is not the new heavens and new earth. There will still, listen, be sin after the millennium. Can you imagine all these people that have made their choice in the millennium? I ain't serving him. I'm sick of it. I ain't going to church no more. Boy, you wait till I get the opportunity. I'm out of here. Yeah. In the millennium. And the devil is loosed out of his prison for a little season. And he goes over the earth. And there's all these from Egypt, all these from Iran, all these from Mesopotamia, all these from wherever more around the world. So I'm sick of this. I'm out of here. Satan said, fine, I've got a place. Gog and Magog, Meshach and Tubal. Come on, come on. Let's fight him. Y'all with me? Friends, can you imagine thousands times thousands of people that have lived on the earth? Some of them, some of them is a thousand years old. They'll rally around the devil and according to Revelation, they will come up against the camp. That's why I love camp meeting. They'll come up against the camp of the saints. With such fierceness and anger. They'll be looking for that Tim Pruitt. He's the one who stopped rain could fall on my crops. Where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? Where are they at? And fire from God out of heaven will annihilate them. Living in a paradise. Living in the restored Garden of Eden. Plants were producing so much. They were producing so much. The crops reach such a level of productivity that the reaper, the scripture says, the reaper overtook the sower. <laughs> it's coming up so fast and coming up so much. They can't even hardly get it in the house. They can't get it in the barn. And the sower says, slow up, buddy, slow up. I can't, man, it's right on me. So here they go. Here goes the sower, here goes the reaper. The mountains will drop as wine, corn. Oh, how beautiful it'll be. People living right in that. And yet they'll say, I am sick of this. I want my own way. I'm sick of being told what to do. No, no. You're only sick of being told what God wants you to do. You see, no matter who you are and what you do, somebody's going to tell you what to do. It's either this guy or this one down here. I'll make my own decisions. You're a liar and deceived at the same time. 
You're under the influence of angels or demons. Demons is what talks people into smoking. Demons is what leads them to dope. Demons is what leads them to illicit sex. Not God. You say, how can you get to that? Because in the millennium, there'll be no smoking. There'll be no drugs. There'll be no illicit sex. And yet there'll be unconverted people here. Why don't they do it without him? They have to have demons, as they call them, my demons. I'm so glad many of us may have had ours at one time, but we ain't got them no more. Natural people living on the earth, no adultery, no smoking, no drinking, no lying, no adultery. Why? The power that made them do it is in hell. But as soon as that power raises his head again, there they go. Praise God. What a honeymoon. As I said last night, there will be no arguing in the honeymoon. I asked how many folks here had argued on their honeymoon, and I seen blushes and smiles and all kinds of faces on, on, on folks here last night. This bride and groom, there won't be no fight, no fighting, no fussing, no arguing. The Lord Jesus will just tell us to do, you know, whatever it is, and, and, the, and the government, and we'll say, yes, sir, whatever you want, sir, is exactly what we'll do. Why? That's what we've done here. He said, don't do this. Sure, fine. Well, I don't understand it. I, I just, I, I've got to, you know, that's a person that's unconverted. They've got to sit down and figure it all out. And you're taking a canary brain and trying to figure out a mighty God which made the universe, and you made what? Remind me what most of us have made. Messes after messes, after chaos, after stupidity, after ignorance. And you're going to take your little brain and figure out God. You need a whooping. You do. You need a gospel whooping. To beat some sense into you. God don't need your head. God chose your heart. And if Satan can blind you from the distance between here and there. Oh, I've got to figure it out. I've got to figure it out. I've got, oh, I've got to do this. That, no, it's not what you figure out. It's what you believe. Well, I'm not sure I can believe all that that you preached this morning, Brother Donnie. Well, that's entirely up to you. I believe every word of it. And I'll be there. Some of y'all is going to be there with me. Those of you that don't make bride won't be there because you won't get a second chance. Oh, no. There'll be nobody sitting around this message as foolish virgin that'll ever enter this millennium. There'll not be one who's a backslider, cold and indifferent on God that'll ever enter the millennium. You are held in a prison. Onto the white throne. Why right. oh, get a second chance? There is no second chance. Those in the millennium are those who never had the first chance. You're held in a prison until the judgment. Let me close. I read a story this week of a young woman who kept getting in trouble drugs, alcohol, and various things. She goes in before the judge one day. The court is set. It's all the witnesses against her, prosecuting attorney. 
got videos of her buying, selling drugs, prostitution, this, that, and the other. Pretty much looked like it was a closed case. The prosecutor done talked to the judge. We're going to give her so many years. Let's just make a plea bargain. But there was a fine-looking young man, younger than the judge presiding, kind of sitting in the back of the courtroom. He sat there and listened to the charges. Prosecutor, the girl was poor. Of course, she had no attorney on her own, just one state appointed, which is not a very good one. But this young man, he sat there and he sat there. All of a sudden, he said, Your Honor, could I speak? I said, Sure. He comes up. He begins to talk. He goes through and finds this loophole and this one and this one and this one and this one. They hadn't processed this information, right? And the people sitting there and the woman especially hearing all this that's going on, she cannot believe it. The other people cannot believe it. And the judge refused to prosecute the woman because of the evidence they'd been tampered with. He says, you're released. The woman comes to this man and said, oh, how can I ever pay you? How can I ever, how can I ever thank you? Who are you? Boy said, I'm attorney so-and-so. Next week, this woman is arrested for prostitution, selling of drugs, some of the same stuff again. They bring her in before the judge. Oh, but this time, it wasn't the old man. It was the lawyer who got her set free. So she walks into the courthouse smiling ear to ear. Oh, this is this. I know I'll. But this time they'd process the information correctly. She comes before the judge and he says, I give you so many years. She said, how could you do this to me? Last week you stood and you pleaded my cause. He said, ma'am, last week I was your attorney. This week I am your judge. Let me tell you here today, if you're not ready to meet the Lord Jesus, he may be sitting right here with his presence this morning to be your attorney. It may be before dawn in the morning, he will be your judge. Because you see, when death strikes your body, the judge must give a determinate counsel of where you will go. Not even judging you before the white throne. Don't let him be your judge. Because he has all the evidence against you. And it's all kept right. It's kept straight. And it's processed properly. Oh, praise God. Let's bow our heads together, can we? Lord Jesus, what a way to close this service on this solemn tone, Lord. Well, Father, apparently somebody here or maybe it's somebody out on the internet. Maybe like that brother that I mentioned last night that had that gun cocked and stuck in his mouth and took a deep breath to squeeze the trigger. And all of a sudden, his cell phone went off. And he was hearing a preacher preach a message exactly where he was living. He pulled the gun out of his mouth. Give his heart to you. Lord Jesus, would you pass by this way today, Lord? Maybe it's somebody in Norway that streamed the service. Maybe it's somebody in Canada. I don't know, Lord. 
Father, I pray you'd help each of us. Help each believer, Lord, that we can be ready. We can make preparation. Lord, help us each one, me included, to realize there's always room to move up. More consecration, more dedication to you, Lord. God, I, I hate it. I know it's my destiny. But I know one day I'll have to stand at the white throne. And there'll be people that I have preached to. I'll have to look them in the face. And you'll ask, were they ever told the truth? And I'll have to walk up to the judgment and say, yes, God. I told her Sunday after Sunday. I told him time and time again. I sent him text, emails, sermon after sermon. You had evangelists come through and tell him the same thing and me and the evangelist haven't even talked. Oh God, help us Lord. I don't want you to be my judge. I'm glad our attorney has come down and help us to see who we are. And you took our old book and threw it in the sea of forgetfulness and annihilated that nature. Lord, help people to understand it's very quite simple. There are two beings that wish to marry us. One is the devil, one is you. We're born with that old husband which has the rule over us which is our carnal nature. In order to become born again, we consent and that nature dies. Then we become reunited again with another nature. Every human being on the face of the earth today is acting out their marriage vows. It's that simple. It's not complex. It's not hard to understand. Those that are rebellion and lying and sin and all that they're doing, they're acting out their marriage. That's the way their husband did and he lives it out through them. Those that are born again of the Spirit of God, they live in submission, humility, gratefulness, thanksgiving, because that's the way their husband lived when he was here on the earth as a mortal. Help us each one, Father, to identify which man we want to be married to. But Satan has no marriage supper. Satan has no honeymoon. Satan has no lasting kingdom. Satan has no eternal life. My mind's already made up. I don't need to think about it, pray about it. Let me live my life for about 67 years and then I'll decide if I want to serve God. Nope. I already know where I want to go. I could take my worst day as a child of God and compare it to the worst day of being a son of the devil. It wouldn't even compare. There's no comparison. Minister to every heart today, Lord. God, maybe a young man or a young woman contemplating suicide, contemplating laying aside their stand for the gospel and becoming something of the world, something like the world. Help them, Lord Jesus. Every man, woman, boy, and girl that'll ever hear this, God, may you deal with their hearts. May there not be a one of us missing that day, Lord. May we rise with you in the millennium. Praise God. Praise God. Don't you love him, children? Don't you want to be there with all your heart? Oh, Lord Jesus.
Help us, Father. Help us, Lord God. Don't let anything hinder me, Lord. If you'd see anything down the road somewhere but hinder me, Lord, take me to a premature grave if you have to. Please, Lord, don't never let me rebel against you. Stand against your word, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Can we just worship him a little bit before we let you go? Oh, thank God. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Here, let's sing something together. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You see, whether it's in church or whether it's in government, the Lord Jesus wants His people to worship Him in every scope of life. In the millennium, it will be religious. In the millennium, it will be spiritual. But it will also be natural. It won't just be a spiritual kingdom. It will be a natural kingdom. Natural animals, natural trees, natural people. As a matter of fact, you will build your own house. But you say, I can't build. Well, He will endow you with the ability to build. We will build our own house, but not in the eighth day. He's our building it now. If you'll listen to the future home, I've listened to it, oh, 15, 16 times the last few weeks. Brother Brown tells us in there, he's been there for many, many thousands of years preparing this city. Praise God. Don't you understand? Satan has stood in heaven, but he's never stood in this new city coming down. It wouldn't be right to bring heaven down like it is and the accuser ever walked up before that throne and plant that on the earth. Oh, no. Entirely new place. <laughs> never been a demon ever set a foot inside them streets of gold. The devil has never walked before that white throne to accuse you of anything. Saints will be the first footsteps to come inside that city beside the angels of God. Don't you love him, children? Oh, I want to be there so bad. Sing something. Falling in love with Jesus. Oh, yes. Falling in love. Falling in love. Jesus, falling in love with Jesus Hallelujah. was the best it's thing the best I've ever, I've ever done. done. Everybody, oh, falling in love with Jesus. With Jesus.
best thing I've ever, ever done. Receiving the token life of my Jesus. Receiving the Holy Ghost from my Jesus. Receiving the power of God from my Jesus. It's the best thing I've ever, ever done. In his arms, I feel protected. In his arms, never disconnected. In his arms, I feel protected. There's no place I'd rather, rather be. In his arms, never disconnected. In his arms, I feel protected. There's no place I'd rather, rather be.
was the best thing I've ever, ever done. Lift my 
your name mighty God Oh, friend. 
it's all about you. don't you? Have you enjoyed church today? You appreciate the word of the Lord? Look what a future we've got, church. Look what a honeymoon we're going to get to go. I want to go, don't you? I want all of you to go. I want us to go together. It's worth it. Praise the Lord. You can stay as long as you need to or want to. If you need to be dismissed, God bless you. You can go. Let's sing a little bit more of that, Brother Harry, as, as we... Get ready to dismiss this morning. God bless you. Remember service here Wednesday night, the Lord willing. When the music fades, all is stripped away. And I simply come. Oh, yes. Longing just to breathe something that's a word. That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within The way things appear You're looking in to my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship it's all about you it's all about you I'm sorry Lord for the thing I've made it it's all about you it's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus, King of endless world. No one could express how much you deserve. We can pour. All I have is yours. Every single breath. I'll bring you more
than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship It's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it It's all about you It's all about you, Jesus Coming back to the heart of worship We lay our crown at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of home mercy and love are found at the feet of Jesus. We cry holy, holy, holy. At the feet of Jesus, we cry. Home. 